This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 14th of May 2021. And Norman, we've talked a fair bit on this podcast in the last year and a bit about variants of the coronavirus. Obviously, we know when viruses replicate, there can be mutations that creep into their genome and some of those mutations give them an advantage and get passed on. And we talked a lot a few months ago about the B117 variant that was first recognised in the UK. And more recently, we're hearing about the B1617 variant that have been uh, noticed in India, and they've got some experts concerned. Yes. So let's just go back a little bit here. So the the B six the six one seven we'll just call it for shorthand six one seven. It's got about three sub variants: point one, point two, point three, and they've all just been declared variants of concern. And they've been declared variants of concern because they're clearly more contagious than the and what's called the ancestral virus, and there certainly seem to be more contagious than the 117. So the 617 is muscling out the 117. If you might remember, go back to Coronacast last year, one of the features of the 117 was how fast it muscled out other variants of the virus in Britain and in other parts of the world where it has spread to. And that seems to be happening with the 617 as well. Now, it's hard to pick this apart because of the living conditions, crowded living conditions and lack of social distancing in India. But some people are saying that the R0, this is the reproduction number of the 617 variant, particularly 617.2, could be eight. That is bonkers. It's what? 2.4. For the original sort of strains of coronavirus. So that's huge replication. And of course, the number we're talking about here is the replication number. So the average number of people that an infected person could transmit to in a population of people where no one is immune. Yeah, so that just shows you how much more contagious it is if indeed that number is right. So it's enormously more contagious. So then the question has been, is it vaccine, has it evolved around the vaccine to some extent or vaccine resistant? And what is really worrying people is an outbreak at Shangi Airport in Singapore. So this is a cluster, and it's a cluster of people who've been infected with 617.2. So it's spread quite quickly, particularly amongst close contacts. And several people in the group who've been infected have been well covered by the Pfizer vaccine. So in other words, they're fully immunized with the Pfizer vaccine, and they're getting infected. So here you have a situation where you've got potentially rapid spread, highly contagious, it's moving between countries. So you know, the India ban you know, could persist, but it's already moving to other countries. So like the 117, it's going to come in from wherever. And we've already had one situation in Australia where uh, a man from America brought in a 617 variant, the 617.2. So you don't have to go to India to actually get this variant anymore. But like you say, we've had it in Australia and it, we haven't had huge outbreaks from it so far. No, and I've been asking around, why haven't we had, you know, given if it is so contagious, why haven't we had a local outbreak? And it's this phenomenon that we've discussed before, which is it's only a minority of people who get infected who actually pass it on and and who've got large amounts of the virus inside them. And those same people say we've been lucky. We've probably just been lucky that we have not had situations where they can spread it easily, either in Victoria or New South Wales. I think the Victorian one is 617.1. But that that luck won't necessarily 
hold out. So we've got a virus that's more transmissible, probably, maybe, than the um, strains that we've seen before. And you're saying it's not being covered by the vaccine that we think of as being probably the, the most efficacious. One interpretation of this, people listening saying, oh, give it all up. Why, do we, why would I bother? Let's just get back to our beer and keep the borders closed. And in fact, that's not the right way to think about this. It looks as though from the Singapore outbreak that it the, the Pfizer vaccine does protect against severe disease, even with the variants. And that's really what it's primarily designed to do. So it turns it into the common cold. They did have symptoms. So there were symptomatic infections. Not entirely clear, but it does seem as if there were not severe symptoms. So we need to get immunised and continue to get immunised with either Pfizer or Astra to actually prevent severe disease and keep that immunisation up. And we've got to do it as quickly as possible so as many of us as possible are immunised. The second implication is hotel quarantine. So we've now had a leak from South Australia. We've had several leaks in New South Wales and, uh, and in other states as well. So hotel quarantine is not fit for purpose. And we've got these highly infectious variants that may be vaccine resistant. So we've really got to escalate an alternate solution for hotel quarantine because in relation to the number of infections, hotel quarantine is not good. And there was not a cent in the budget for upgraded outdoor facilities like Howard Springs and other similar facilities in each state. So that's the second thing. The third thing is we've actually got to get back to using QR codes and using masks and public transport because we're lucky so far that these people have come forward, particularly the two men, the one in Victoria and one in New South Wales, they came forward for testing. If they hadn't, we'd have this circulating in the community and potentially stuffed. So so we need to wear masks and we all need to get tested no matter how minor the symptoms. So we've just got to keep those, uh, those efforts up to stop spread or minimise it should it occur. And then we do need to actually get immunised because we can't afford for a serious outbreak and people to be vulnerable. So on vaccination, Norman, we heard in the last day or so that Moderna is going to be part of Australia's vaccine repertoire, which is something that I feel like I've heard someone say we should be doing on a podcast before. Oh, really? Have you? No, surely not. <laughs> There's one way of interpreting this is that nagging works <laughs> and the other is that they just saw the light. So I'd rather, I'd rather give them the credit for seeing the light. So why don't we recap the reason why Moderna is a good feather to have in our uh, quiver? I don't know. I feel like I'm mixing my metaphors here. Well, I suppose a needle could be in a quiver and you could fire it from the other end of the room into somebody's arm. <laughs> no, but seriously... Um, Moderna is probably ahead of Pfizer and the other vaccines in terms of producing a variant. Although I think the variant they've got on the go at the moment is a South African variant, not necessarily the 617, but it is ahead of the curve. So they've bought uh, a few million doses of the variant vaccine. And they're also, they've also bought doses of what's called the ancestral virus. So that's the original Wuhan virus. It just gives uh, another mRNA vaccine towards the end of this year, hopefully to help out Pfizer with the under 50s but also gives us the opportunity to start booster immunisation to the variants um, early on. So what does that mean for the vaccine rollout now? People should still be going out and getting an AstraZeneca vaccine if they're eligible for it, right? Yes. If you're over 50, there's no guarantee that you'll get a Pfizer vaccine this year if you wait, because the system's going to be flat out giving Pfizer to the under 50s. So you might be lucky, but you might not. And then you've got this risk of variants coming into the country. And do you really want to be unprotected? I don't think so. I don't want to be unprotected. So you better get yourself protected with the Astra vaccine if you're over 50. And then maybe you get a booster towards the end of this year, beginning of next year with Moderna or something like that. 
you know, you don't want to lose the opportunity to get some protection. Any protection is better than none. Yeah, and it, and it looks as though these vaccines will protect against severe disease, even with the variants, and provide quite a deep form of immunity. You know, Pfizer does perform a bit better than Astra, doesn't have the clotting problem, but the clotting problem is fairly rare. Well, Kev's asking about that. Kev's saying, will Moderna be available for people over 50 who are worried about blood clots from AstraZeneca? I think as the year goes by and other vaccines become more available, particularly Novavax, then there will be other options and supply won't be an issue. But at the moment, if you're really worried about blood clots and you know, that you have to respect that concern, then wait. But it may, you might be waiting for a while, that's all. I think it's important to recap on AstraZeneca's efficacy and the safety. Like the blood clots, it's certainly an issue. We don't want to downplay that. There have been people who have died from them, but it's actually the absolute risk is relatively low. And it is a good vaccine that does provide good protection. And it's playing out in other countries of the world where that vaccine's rolled out and they are seeing a big drop in cases. Yes. But you can't escape the fact that the blood clotting problem is real. It's just rare. And it looks as though the mortality rate is very small in Australia um, and people are getting well treated. And so the risk of actually getting it is lower. But people don't like the idea of vaccine side effects. You know, you get a vaccine when you're healthy and you don't want a vaccine to make you sick. So in a sense, that hesitancy is understandable, but you've just got to weigh it up in your own mind of the rare risk of this clot versus some degree of security in the knowledge that you're going to be at least partially protected against variants when it comes to severe disease and turn this into the common cold. And a question from Tim. And of course, if you want to ask a question at any time, you can go to abc.net.au slash coronacast. And Tim's saying, with CSL manufacturing more than a million doses of AstraZeneca a week, and we're seeing about 400,000 doses being administered a week, where are the other vaccine doses going? Bloody good question, Tim. It's a mystery. Essentially, they have not ramped up the rollout to the extent that they could. And so that's a combination of state-based high-throughput facilities and uh, general practice getting more doses. So something's going wrong with the logistics. There are plenty of GPs out there who could take as many Astra doses virtually as you throw at them, and they're not getting them. So this is still a mystery. They're not going in the bin, though, right? Like, they, they have a shelf life. They have a shelf life after you've opened them. Um, but they stay in the fridge for a long, long time. So they're fine in the fridge, the Astra ones. Even, um, by the way, Pfizer is, can survive in the fridge much longer than they originally thought. So Pfizer's much more robust than people have thought. Um, so that's not the issue. The issue is once you've opened it and started taking out the separate doses, you've got to discard it at the end of the day. And what's not known is waste. It's unlikely that many doses are being wasted because they're not being opened to start with. No, the thing that's being wasted is time time and you know who knows what's going on with this um, logistics well speaking of time that's all we've got time for on today's coronacast we'll see you next week yep see you on monday <laughs>